It's time now for the chipping forecast, issued by Folding Pocket on behalf of Andrew Cotter, Eddie Pepperell and special guest Ian Carter. Hello, welcome once again. Who would have thought it? All those long uh, days ago when we started this chipping forecast journey together that we would still be here a lifetime later, still doing it. Uh, older, hopefully wiser. Um, but thank you for being with us over the past week through the, the highs and lows, good times and bad. So, where are we all and who are we all? Ian Carter, a regular guest uh, as ever. Where are you? Where are you, Ian, in the wide world of sports? I've hopped across America from California to uh, New Jersey. Uh, I'm here for the Women's PGA Championship mm-hmm. this week, which I'll be covering for Five Live and commentating on at the weekend. So really looking forward to that. Uh, where is really good? When is not so good? Because it's five o'clock in the morning, my time here. Um, for my body clock, it's two o'clock in the morning. So anything could come out of my mouth today. Oh, right. Extraordinary. Um, yes, but... Verbally. Uh, verbally, but um, uh, Eddie, Eddie Pepperell, he doesn't sleep. He stays up late watching all sorts of um, strange things. And I don't sleep because of the night terrors. So we're, we're all tired, Ian. We're all get your excuses in early. Where are you, Eddie, at the moment? Well, uh, anything can come out of my mouth at any time, even when I've had 10 hours of sleep. So me and Ian should be getting on like a house on fire today. Um, <laughs> but I am at home, about a week at home, and uh, I'm off to Munich this afternoon to play the BMW International. But uh, yeah, I had a nice week uh, just uh, chilling at home. And what are you doing, Andrew? I'm in London town. London town for, I'm doing Queen's Tennis. So uh, I am doing Andy Murray's match today. So that'll be good fun. Well, hopefully it'll be good fun. Uh, I don't know. Might be good fun. Might not. Off the back of wins at Surbiton and Nottingham. Yes, exactly. Just to help you with your no, prep. I'm, I'm, do you think I'm not aware that he's he's just won in Surbiton and Nottingham? Uh, I am aware of that. Okay, who's he playing then, Ian? Come on. No idea. I've been covering the golf. Oh, fair enough. Alex de Menor. Um, he's lost. He's played him three times and has lost lost every time. Anyway, this is um, this is a golf podcast. So, uh, U.S. Open. I mean, U.S. Open. Uh, how, how was the overall experience for you? Before we get into the nitty and gritty, how was the overall uh, well, LA U.S. Open? I mean, shall I just give you so, a couple of couple of opening thoughts to, to you know that of sort of agenda items that we might be wanting to talk about in the course of this? Because obviously, okay, the US, it's not just the U.S. Open, is no, it? No, no, yeah. but I mean, the U.S. Open is going to be the big the the big chat. I mean, just the thought. Wyndham Clark, uh, as someone said to me, became the first hotel chain to win a major since Harold Hilton. Um, no one saw it coming. Uh, 125 to one. Shot. John, John, ah, no, 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 no. John, John Travelodge won the, yeah. uh, won the US Open in 1947. 125 so. to one shot. No one saw it coming. Apart from him, he kind of played with that cocky confidence. I really want to get into that mindset of what he was talking about, uh, you know, throughout, uh, his win, how every time they shouted for Ricky Fowler, his mind coach had said, that's when you've got to be cocky, and it all worked. Of course, more major agony for Rory McIlroy. Quote of the week, I thought, was that he's prepared to go through a 100 Sundays like that just to get his hands on a major trophy one more time. Goes again this week at the Travellers. Then it's the Scottish Open for him and the Open at Hoylake, the scene, of course, of his one Open victory. 
Uh, there were mixed reviews on the uh, LACC course, but I loved it. Although uh, I hated the atmosphere, I hated the tee times. And the other one I think we need to highlight is Leona Maguire. Massive win on the LPGA Tour, just in time for this week's Alphabetti Spaghetti here in New Jersey, the KPMG Women's PGA. The Alphabetti Spaghetti. Um, yes. So, yeah, well, you talk about the times. I mean... Obviously, it's not a consideration. It is a consideration in the US when they hold it on the West Coast that they, they try and get it in sort of prime time in the East Coast because the East Coast is the sort of big, big audience. But it's not good for UK watching. I don't know what the figures were, but, um, you know, there were lots of people who were calling it a, calling it a day, calling it a night at a certain point. I got to when Wyndham Clark went three clear. I think when McElroy made a bit of a butchers of the 14th, I thought. Um, but then I stuck with it. Um, I had the, the laptop on the... Oh, I thought you were going to say you were going to turn the radio on. I turned the radio. I had the... Live, live. I, I, let's just pretend that I, I did. I was listening to... No, I was listening to... I was listening to you, Ian. So I fell asleep with you chatting away in my ears. Um, again, that's odd. But, mm. um, so I, I didn't... I fell asleep on the penultimate hole. So I didn't actually see the winning moment. But I, I kind of stuck with it. But there was a sense of, I don't know what you felt, Eddie, but there was a, there was a sense of deja vu. There was a sense of, for, for McElroy, in that it's just, he was hitting, it was, it was St. Andrews again. He was hitting the ball beautifully, but just could not buy a putt if you could do such a thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I didn't see the leaders tee off at all at the weekend. So, um, I, yeah, I watched a bit Thursday, Friday and, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't love the viewing experience this year round. Um, but I'd seen some of the highlights since. And yeah, from what I could see, it was exactly as you just described. Rory obviously hit the ball great and, you know, couldn't get the ball in the hole when you needed to the most, you know, just like St. Andrews. I, I think in his defense, from what I'd seen Saturday uh, or I'd read rather, Saturday was the same. Hold very few feet of putts on Saturday. So it was clearly a cold putter that was the issue all weekend for him. And, you know, I do think the US Open is a tournament you can win without a hot putter, but you know, you have to hold those. It's just the one or two putts, the fine margins. And that does make the difference at the end of the week, doesn't it? So um, a real shame. I think we'd all have loved to have seen Rory win, but clearly his game is, is back where uh, back towards his best. And I think it's a matter of time. Is it though? I mean, that means you've been saying, we, we've been saying that for a long time. Um, a lot of, you know, people think we're sort of, I've already got in on us and saying you're McElroy fanboys. Now, that seems to be a thing where if you're they're very divisive in golf. I, I mean, I just I, I like watching Rory McElroy play. And also, I quite like the idea of people winning multiple majors. If Kepka had won again, I would have thought that would be quite... I quite like the idea of... You're never going to get to Tiger Woods-style dominance, but I like the idea of players becoming dominant figures in the game. And McElroy's got star power. And if McElroy wins, that is good for the game that makes people sit up and take notice in the in the UK even at sort of three in the morning yeah and and it, and it does I mean the fact that he was in contention uh, on the BBC Sport website there were thousands upon thousands of people logged in on the live text chat at three o'clock in the morning for the end of that they could not believe the the, the numbers that were in there and that's the the McElroy effect I just I, I'd be really interested in what what you guys think a couple of thoughts on on McElroy to me, he he nowadays reminds me of Colin uh, Montgomery and Lee Westwood in their pomps, in that tee to green, absolutely sensational, but getting over the line on the biggest tournaments is proving 
a massive headache. He doesn't have those. And this sort of takes me on to my second point, which is more than ever, I think that to win majors, you have to go out and win them. You can't kind of back into them. I mean, maybe Justin Thomas did a little bit um, when he got into the playoff with with Zalatoris because Mito Pereira um, messed up on the final hole at the USPGA. But more often than not, you see players go out and and grab these these major titles. Matt Fitzpatrick did it last year at the US Open. You can go through the list. Brooks Kepka at the PGA, John Rahm at the at the Masters. They they actually go out and they make something happen. And and that's just not happening for for Rory for whatever reason at the moment. So they'd be my two big sort of Rory takeaways. Yeah. Um fifty nine greens in regulation. Uh, the next best was fifty three. Yeah. Nineteen top tens now since it's like, his last. It's like win. Monty and Westy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. You know I, no, I agree. I agree. Um, I agree. There the comparison ends. I think, but um, I uh, yeah, no, I do. I do totally agree uh, that. And and the thing is, his putting has been. And that's why I think it's a sort of major block because his putting has been actually week in week out looking pretty sharp. But I, I didn't even—I I didn't think he was hitting bad putts, really. I mean, he was. It, there were, you know, reads just fractionally out, burning edges. Yeah, the pace, but but just at the key moment, something goes wrong. The eighth, when he could have really pressed the accelerator, he's got a four-footer for a birdie, and you know he should be eating up that par five, and then doesn't even hit the hole with the putt. Yeah, the fourteenth, the par five on the back nine. Out of nowhere, you know, he said the the wind kind of puffed up on him and he was between clubs. Was it a gap wedge? Was it a sand wedge? And he ended up stuffing it into the face of the bunker. And I mean, he was lucky that Scotty Scheffler found his ball because uh, it was embedded in the face of the bunker, then couldn't get it up and down. And, th- you know, these are the things that happen to Rory, but don't happen to the guys who end up winning winning these majors. Yeah. And it's just a... Really curious malaise, I think. But it's not even a malaise because he's he's always putting himself in the mix. He's just such a fantastic golfer. You cannot lose sight of that. He's there every time. From your reading of the newspapers the next day, Eddie, what do you um what, um, <laughs> what no? But when you when one gets in contention as a golfer, I mean, everybody is I suppose different in terms of their confidence on the greens. But um, as Ian was saying, they looked to be good putts, but they just weren't quite getting to the. They're just dying a little bit. Do you become a little bit more tentative in in terms of pace? I don't know. It's difficult for me to say. You know, I've never been in that position at US Open where that's the toughest of tests. I will say one thing as it relates to Lee and Colin Montgomery. You know, Rory's done it before and we know Rory is is more than capable of winning another major. Um, You know, the question mark with Lee and Monty obviously was always they hadn't done it and it was a big hurdle for them to overcome. Rory's taken that hurdle many times before and I have no question that he's going to be ready to do that again in the future and equally you mentioned Scotty Scheffler I mean he hasn't won a major this year Scotty's been the best golfer in the world probably by some margin Tita Green certainly um, him and John Rahm but he hasn't won a major and we're not talking about him the way we talk about Rory so I think we we Rory cops a lot of heat I think sometimes unfairly he's a frustrating golfer to watch because we all know how talented he is and how easy he can make the game look Tita Green but ultimately um, if he keeps doing what he's doing and and actually more than that if he keeps getting better because I actually think he's getting better at this point he's not just treading water with his game he is now improving I think his swing's beginning to look better and um, if he takes that to Hoylake I'm not sure Hoylake depending on conditions it may or may not suit him but moving forward he's 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 bound to contend and, and inevitably win one of these four tournaments um, 
in the years to come. So I, I would have no no concerns about his ability to get it done again. Um, just a couple of other things from the US Open. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, 63, final round for fifth place. John Ram, 65 for 10th, so sneaking into the top 10. But Ian, you mentioned the the, the whole experience there. I, I thought the, the atmosphere sounded terrible. And there, there, there has been a lot of talk and writing about um, the number of corporate fans there. It's, so it's been a huge corporate earner for the USGA, but... There didn't sound, put it this way, it was a long way from, it was a long way from a sort of Brookline experience, wasn't it? Uh, very much so. And it, you know, it was a, it was a golf course that nestles in, in amongst the, the, the skyscrapers of Beverly Hills. And it's, you know, a unique setting in terms of a major. I mean, when have we ever gone to a major, Andrew? And, and you, you're literally coming through city streets and then you turn a corner and you're into the, the golf course. Um, and that, was one of the reasons why the, the the number of spectators allowed in was so low. But then that was 22,000, 14,000 of them on corporate jollies. I mean, prawn sandwiches going left, right and centre. And uh, and then of the of the remaining 8,000, the, the LACC members tried to basically buy them all up. So you had precious few you know, what I'd call card-carrying golf fans. You know how you normally go to a golf tournament and everyone's wearing golf gear? And, you know, it's it, honestly, the crowd will would be reminiscent of the crowd you'll see today at Queen's at, te- at, at the tennis, you know. Good people. Good, uh, devoted sports fans. Hardcore. No, 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 not devoted sports fans. Not that might be devoted sports fans, not devoted golf fans. And it really, you know, they just didn't, I'd, I'd walk along there and I'd see people and they could not care less what was happening inside the ropes. Yeah. And, and it manifested itself in a really anemic atmosphere, uh, for the most part. It was good at the end. I mean, when you got that, the, 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 the spectators broke through and had that sort of run up the fairway to, to envelop or, or, or encircle the, the, the closing green when Wyndham Clark finished. I'd fallen it out. asleep and, I mean, at that point. So I'd give it just. Well, prop, props to him because he had that 60 odd feet. He had to two putt putting uphill into the sun and he, and he knocked it to tap in range. I mean, and just killed it stone dead. I mean that was a hell of a performance from Wyndham Clark. To make make no mistake, and I I really did feel for for McElroy because he didn't do anything drastically wrong. And just going back on what I was saying before, I'm, I caveated about Westy and Monty by saying it, this is what it feels like right now. And I'm more than aware that obviously he's won majors in the past, but it's you know if he doesn't win at Hoylake, it's going to be a decade. So. Um, and he he admits it, it, the, the the quest for the next major feels like trying to win his first. Yeah, uh, one thing I would say uh, is for certain is the, the the crowd experience will be very different at Hoylake. It'll be the other extreme, actually. I think it'll be uh, oh yeah, it's going to be lively beyond lively. Whatever the next level up from lively is, it'll be it'll be that and very very busy indeed. So um, well, that's. We, we do have to go over because we do, we've started our predictions, which Eddie is not involved in as a, this is not a gambling pod. Uh, it's just a, just a bit of fun. Um, because our predictions from last week, because I am feeling very pleased with myself for having got the winner. So, uh, all hail, all hail me. Uh, pardon? I, I, well, hang on. Uh, well, pardon? Let me just, let me play back. This is, how's on, your, it's you, on tape. Let me play back. What, uh, let me play back what, uh, what I said last week. Tenet. And yeah, he's, he's really, really consistent now that the sort of awful Honda experiment has 
has disappeared. So I think he's one to look at. I quite like Wyndham Clark as well. I think he's just the kind of guy on this. The US Open test presents that I think he might be one to look at. Eddie, uh, we 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 spend our whole time asking you about your career. If you indulge me, I'll just tell you a little story from my career. That when I first started out, I was with a little group of very ambitious young journalists, and we all had to do our own editing. And the competition was to be able to do an edit and for it not to be spotted. So you were, had to be really delicate. Back in the day, you had to actually physically use a razor blade to cut the tape and stick it together. Now, that was a very good edit by Andrew. <laughs> I can spot them. Well, it, he is sat at home and he's gone. And Wyndham Clark? What? I, and this is scurrilous. And, and, and then he's edited it in. I, you might have been able to spot the joint. Anyway, Am I right? So I, I, I said Jordan Spieth. He missed the cut. Um, I also said that Justin Rose was in great shape, trending, although you all agreed with that. He missed the cut. What happened to him? Um... Ian, did you, who did you say? You said Patrick Cantley, did you? I said Patrick Cantley, yeah. 14th? Yeah, uh, I think, uh, yeah, but I mean, really, I mean, a, a, a backdoor 14th. Okay. Patrick Cantley and Max Homer and Xander Schauffele. I mean, Xander Schauffele finished, I mean, he shot 62 on the Thursday and he finished, what, Three, un- three under par. Yeah. So he played the next three rounds. He hit some I mean, shockers. I mean, he hit some of his golf. Well, they, those, those three guys, those three guys, I mean, we talk, we, you know, Eddie's quite right. We bang on about Rory, but those three guys in the majors, I mean, Shoffley's had some high finishes, but. But I think we do have to say, um, Eddie, who did you predict? Can you remember last week? Can you remember last week at all? It's, it, yeah, it's the first time I've rooted for a live golfer for, um, well, ever, actually. Um, so I think that's, I'm going to keep doing that. I think it's played a little trick on myself. If I, if I pick a live player every week, then there's, you know, I feel less bad. Cam Smith is who you picked. Yes. Yeah. 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 So Cam Smith finished fourth, Cantley 14th, uh, Jordan Spieth, uh, miscut. So, uh, after this first week of bull predictions, um, Eddie's out in front on, I don't know what the point scoring system is. Eddie's got three points, Ian's got two, and I've got one. I get one for Jordan Spieth missing the cut. Um, I would, uh, I would give a shout, a shout out, a shout of the out to Dave Tyndall, who you know, Ian, I'm sure. Um, he's a lovely guy, and he does mm. run a sort of, um, again, if you're into that sort of thing, do it responsibly, uh, offering tips for all such things. But his research is great. So he had as first round leaders, just to be first round leaders, no more than that. He offered the tip of Xander Schauffele and Ricky Fowler, which I think is quite impressive. Uh, studying their form in terms of, did he mention that they would? He didn't care about what they would do afterwards. He didn't. Uh, it didn't because it was just about first first round leaders. No, no, no. I was just going to say that it would, it would shoot sixty twos. No, that would be uh, ridiculously precise. But he did get them as first round leaders. So uh, listen, if you want to, if you want to follow someone who actually knows what they're talking about, go and uh, seek out Dave Tyndall. What do we think about 62s at US Opens? I think it's outrageous. I mean, that was the big frustration for me, you know, as a golf fan. And I know I alluded to it last week. I wanted to see the US Open on TV is always most fun when it's a brute. I think back to 2018 when Phil famously ran after the putt and hit it while it was still moving. That was as much entertainment and fun I've had watching golf yeah. possibly ever. Um, and, and listen, I know some of the players don't like it and they end up whinging and whining. But as an entertainment product, it is fantastic. And I think... 
speaking quite honestly, this year I found the US Open to be very dull. Um, and I didn't, for that reason, watch it through the weekend. Obviously, the late finish, the late start didn't help. But um, I, it, to me, just it becomes a regular PJ Tour event or even a PJ Championship when it's when you've got ten under par winning. I, I, I as a golf fan, I just like to see the US Open differentiate itself and have level par as the winning score. I, I always think it's more fun to watch. And then you get Wyndham Clark. Wyndham, I mean, Wyndham, he seems like a very nice man, Wyndham Clark. Um, he so he played. This was his seventh major championship, and his best previous finish was seventy, tied seventy fifth in the USPGA a couple of years ago, and now he's the US Open champion. So it does happen. It does happen. What about Justin Thomas's form? Is anyone um, 81 in the second round? You know, this is a guy who was the best in the world pretty much last year and, you know, has been so consistent for a long time. And he seems to have, I suppose that's the broader discussion that we were talking about. We saw Billy Horschel, you know, 84, although he made the cut at the US Open. Um, he shot 84 a couple of weeks ago and was in all sorts of pieces. But guys like Ian Baker, Finch, Sandy Lyle for a while, David Duval, even Stenson Westwood earlier in their career had real, real slumps. So it's a funny old game, Eddie. Yeah, obviously it is. Um, I've been there, although not obviously to the heights that Justin Thomas has been. But um, it, it's a strange one, isn't it? He's such a talented player. When he's on top of his game, he looks like he can hit every shot. Great short game. Yeah, I think there's always been question marks to some degree over his putting. Uh, and I and I would say that maybe his putting is what led this downturn, I think, from observing it. But it seemingly has infected the rest of his game. I think statistically last week he was last off the tee. He was poor with his irons and he was poor putting. I mean, he is definitely in a in a bad place with his game. And it's the only thing I would say with, with him reading his comments, um, not knowing him, but he, he seems to be a very stoic character. So I, I'm absolutely certain he will keep grinding and get his form back but um it is odd to see such a, a world-class golfer shooting those scores i see he's um uh was he contemplating investing in leeds united as well just to go off at a tangent with um i think it was jordan spieth maybe ricky fowler as well i think they were and ricky fowler as well yeah, yeah. just an echo there i, I mean was it's, re- it's relegation uh form though at the moment isn't it is it is it um eddie a kind of sign of the the fine margins that you you don't have to have that much of a drop off in form to suddenly plummet or is it something more you know when these when these things happen um to 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 players is it a, like a domino effect as you kind of alluded to that the the putting went and then it infects other parts of the game I suppose to him, it probably won't feel like a fine margin drop off. I suspect he really does feel like he's playing very, very poorly um, relative to how he knows he can play. But equally, it does show, doesn't it, how someone who is a world-class golfer and back to the original point here, mentioning other world-class golfers going from top of the game to nowhere in the game in quite a short space of time, it does show just how seemingly nobody's impervious to that drop off in form in a game like golf. And, And that is that is really just a reflection of professional golf, I think, and how difficult the sport is. Um, So I I think for him, probably the best thing that can happen, and I think we sometimes see this on the European tour, when good players lose their form, I'm thinking somebody like Marcel Seam as an obvious example, they drop down a level and end up playing on the challenge tour. And clearly they're too good for that level. And then they rebuild their confidence and come back and find their feet again at the top level. And I think for Justin Thomas, it's maybe just a case that he needs to maybe go play some easier golf courses, honestly, in some weaker fields and just chuck in a top 10, shoot a few lower scores and he'll be back at the top of the game. It could be something as simple as that for him. But um, that's just an observation, really. 
And what about someone? I mean, uh, you know, someone like Martin Keimer. I mean, Martin Keimer was world number one, won a couple, you know, won a couple of majors, and uh, it was so so good. How how old do you think Martin Keimer is? Let's have a guess. Martin Keimer's age competition. How old is Martin Keimer? Ian? Thirty-four. All right. Okay. Um, and Eddie, what do you think? He's 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 definitely more than two years older than me. I I think he's forty or forty-one. Well, you you split the difference between you two. He's th- he's thirty-eight. Uh, Martin Keimer. Oh, that was the other one I was going to oh, say. Oh, was it? Right. Okay. The one just, uh, just yeah. up from, uh, 34. Right. So 38. Um, but he's been, you know, his form's been away for a while, but, uh, curious. I don't know why we're getting into, again, a Martin Keimer digression. He never really recovered from the, um, losing that 10 shot lead on the final day in Abu Dhabi, did he? Uh, I remember he was going, he was 10 shots. I do clear remember that. Yeah, Dhabi absolutely. Um, and ended up losing two. Gary uh, Stahl. Got it. Yeah, well done. There you go. You see, you see now, Keimer to me is Keimer to me is the example of a player who loses their form because they lose a particular aspect of their game in a big way. So his short game went completely. He completely lost his short game. And even if you remember when he won at Pinehurst, he was putting from everywhere. It was the perfect venue for him, um, and so he didn't have to get the wedge out and chip. And I think you know he's an example of a player who just loses a part of his game and, and it goes. And then it, it, yeah, it's very difficult to be at the top of the game when. You have such a weakness, which I don't think Justin Thomas has. Um, I just think he's experiencing something different currently. Okay, we're developing a sort of quiz theme here. I like this um, because we've had the predictions where Eddie's out in front. You were both terrible in the Guess Martin Keimer's Age uh, competition, which will not become a regular feature. Guess the age of golfers. <laughs> but um, Eddie, uh, Eddie, wants to, Eddie wants to quiz us, Ian, because we're supposed golf experts, so this can only go horribly wrong. But... Um, uh, and this Ed Heads quiz, we'll get a sting made up for that. Ed Heads, um, Eddie's got some questions for us. I don't know what the topic is, but uh, Eddie's going to quiz us on a, a few golfing matters. Well, yeah, before we before we move on from the US Open, I think we should finish with the quiz. Um, so I, I was on the Google yesterday, and I hope Google is reliable here because it far exceeds my knowledge on US Opens. But this is a quiz about US Opens. Um, and I figured maybe maybe every time there's a major, I could just come up with some questions and, and, and test your knowledge. Um, and in, in US Open fashion, I think they're quite difficult questions. And also, unlike eggheads, you're not going to get a multiple choice here. It's far too lazy to, to create a multiple choice. So you, you're just going to have to get it right. Um, and, and then there is a tiebreak question. Should we, should we get to that? Which is, I think, as a tiebreak question. Are we, get, are we getting individual questions? Yes, you are. Yeah. I think it's not a buzzer though, just right. because there's a delay on the line as well. So there'll be all sorts of uh, legal issues would follow. Um, and I would uh, make challenges. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, go on. Okay. So I'm, I'm putting my phone away. Yeah. Yeah. Phones away. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well then the first question will go to Andrew and this is a, a complete sequence round. Okay. So um, I want you to name the next golf course that was the host venue. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you four. You need to tell me the fifth. Okay. Oh God. My memory's already going. So, right. So here we go. Pinehurst, Pebble Beach, Southern Hills, Bethpage Black. What was the, what was the next venue? Well, that's very recent. See, I, I'm better at distant past. Um, if you give me the, the courses from the 1970s, then I'll, uh, so, uh, Pinehurst, um, Give them again. This is good fun for the listeners. Actually, they can all join in at home uh, listening to this. Pinehurst. Pinehurst, Pebble Beach, Southern Hills, Bethpage Black. Beach. I could give you the years. Uh, so, uh, 2000 and... Oh, maybe that was... Oh, so Pinehurst 
99, Pebble Beach 2000. Uh, what was the next one? Southern Hills. Was it, maybe it wasn't Southern Hills in 2000. Because Bethpage Black was 2002, Tiger. So 2003, uh, Chicago Jim Furyk Olympia Fields. That's correct. Yeah, correct. boom. Boom, as <laughs> nobody says, but boom. Very good. Right, one point to you, Andrew. Okay, Ian. Do you want the winners? Do you want the winners of those as well? No, because this round, Ian's going to have to choose the winners. So okay. he's not. Payne Stewart, 1999. Okay, very good. Yeah, I haven't got that written down, but I trust you. Uh, right then, Ian. So likewise, except courses, you're now going to be having to name the winners. So Ernie Els, Lee Jansen, Payne Stewart, Tiger Woods. Who was the next winner? Right, so I've got to go. I've got to name the courses or the. Or no, no. You've just the, got to name the winner. winners. Say it again. Okay. Sorry. It's no. like body clock, half past two in the morning. No, no, I get it. Ernie Els, Ernie Els, Lee Jansen, Ernie. Payne Stewart, Tiger Woods. Who was the next winner? So it was the winner in 2001 of the US Open. Oh, dear. Right, so it was the, it was the major after Tiger Woods slam was completed. 2001. Oh, it's too early in the morning. 2001. Again, this makes good podcasting. Uh, Andrew's, yeah. go on, Andrew, you say, you know, you know, go on. Oh, he was a multiple US Open winner. Oh, um, was it Lee Jansen again? No. No, no he was 93 and no. 98. So uh, it was uh, South African. Yeah. Ratif Goosen. I was, I was, I was hoping yeah, that he was, was when I said South African, he, he's thinking, was it? Yeah, was it, it was his first one, wasn't it? It was a playoff as well. Yeah. No, it, I think it, um, wasn't was it a playoff in 2001? He had a playoff with Mark Is that the Brooks one where he missed the, a little tiny short putt and then he had to go and play in the playoff again? Enemy Retief. Goosen. There we go, good. It was. Um, okay, well, I'll try and wrap. So I have, have you got more or is this fun? I have got more, over? but I can shrink it down if you want. It was just going to be three questions, but. No, 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 go, go for <laughs> it. We'll, 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 we'll quick okay, fire it. Andrew, second question. Who's the oldest player to win the US Open? The oldest player to win the US Open. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember if Julius Boros, it was a US Open or a PGA that he won. I'm going to say, uh, oh, I can't remember now. That's terrible. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Julius Boros. It's incorrect, I'm afraid. It was Hale Irwin. It, it was, was a PGA. Uh, it was PGA. Yeah. Hale Irwin at Medina when he ran around the green and had the playoff uh, to beat, um, what was his name? Mike. Oh, God. That's terrible. Medina, 1990, running around the green, Mike... Donald? Something like that. McDonald, yes, I think that's it. Yeah, Mike Donald. That's terrible, hey. Mike Donald. Okay, well, Ian, Andrew's Andrew's missed one, so uh, chance to get even with him. Okay, Ian, who was the first... Back in, back in. Who was the first continental European to win a US Open? First continental European to win a US Open? I'm going to say Martin Keimer. It's correct. Very good. Yeah, that wasn't one one. That wasn't Hale Irwin and Medina nineteen nineteen ninety. Um, one one. So that, that that's us tied tied then. Okay, this is the deciding round. The decider, yeah. Um, in twenty twenty, Bryson DeChambeau shot final round sixty seven to win at Winged Foot. You'll remember, but who came second? I don't. I mean, I honestly paid no attention to the golf that year. I was too busy with dog stuff. Um, oh. <laughs> I can tell you. Uh, I'll be very impressed if you get this then. No, I'm not going to get that at all. Well, actually, actually, uh, to give you a clue... He was a golfer. The surname is not unrelated. Unrelated to DeChambeau or un- unrelated to dogs? To something you've just said, yeah. Uh, it was a, I might have just given you a good clue there. 
was it John Mabel? Uh, no, I, <laughs> um, no, I'm not. I, I'm not going to. Yeah. Uh, Danny Labrador. Oh, I commentated on it. I can't remember. Danny Labrador. No, no, it was Matt Wolf. Matt Wolf. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. talking about golfers yeah. whose form goes south, and he's had some injuries, and obviously he's disappeared off to live. And um, did he not go to live because he said he wanted to be able to spend more time with his dog? I think that was genuinely he wanted. He didn't didn't want to travel so much, and then he went off to live and with his funky swing. Anyway, on to uh, bright subjects. In an opportunity for you to win, which actually I didn't think was going to happen, but here we go. <laughs> I probably won't. Arnold Palmer. Holds the record for the largest comeback in final round history at the US Open. It was in 1960. I'm holding my hand up. I know this. How many strokes behind did he start the day? I don't know. I thought you were going to ask the course. He came from, he came from seven or eight. Eight shots back. Oh, it was seven. It was seven. Oh, oh no. So after all this, okay, after well, the oh. end of this quiz, it's a tie. Oh, a tepid great. draw. There is a tiebreaker question if you'd like it. Oh my God, he's, he's gone so, full out in this quiz. Tiebreaker oh, yeah, question. Yeah, well, I thought it, I didn't think it was going to happen, but, it, but I, if I've you're come still listening anyway. to this podcast, we thank you for your patience. Go on then, tiebreaker. This is a tough one. It's like the 18th of Wingfoot, this one, right? Ray Ainsley holds the record for the highest <laughs> score on a single hole at US Open. <laughs> what Ainsley. score did he make? Nearest wins. Ray made a 13. I'm going. 18. He made a 19. So Come on. Oh, I was going to say 19 as well. Sort yourself oh, out, Ray. Win the win. Um, win to win. Well, Ray, incredible. In that's, the- well, that's right. No, he was known as Ray 19 Shots Ainsley. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he used to he used to take his touring act then around um, the sort of cities of the Midwest, towns of the Midwest, after that to try and get some mileage out of it. But he, be, he became quite a sad figure and... Um, uh, I don't know, I'm making that up. So, Ray Ainsley, 19, we'll never forget that, and we'll never forget this quiz, although we'll try very hard to do so. Um, no, I like it. Ed Heads. It might become a feature, it might not. Well done, Ian, congratulations. Thank you very yeah. much. I think that's the one and only. Um, so, I, we, we should oh, gosh, wrap things up. Um, we were talking about, so, Ian, it's a, it's a big week in, in women's golf, the women's PGA at Baltas Roll. Yes. Do you know, um, Baltas Roll is, its name comes from, it was named after a guy called Baltas Roll. That is, that's not one of my made up facts because I remember that from the, the PGA Championship in 2006 where, um, Mickelson won. I remember doing some research and Baltas Roll, Good name. Yeah. Not enough Baltuses left in the world. Yeah. Um, and it was, <laughs> we, we were talking about this the the other day and it was also, God, his name's just gone completely out of my uh, head now. 2016, Jimmy Walker won the, uh, won the, the PGA here as, as, as well. And I think that's the least memorable major. I cannot remember a single thing about that other than Jason Day was in contention, but I think this will be a memorable weekend. Fun, fun fact about Sorry, and fun fact about Jimmy Walker, I just say he is the he's the most miserable golfer I've ever played with. Yeah, well, did we played a couple of weeks ago at Queenwood though, didn't we? So yeah, Andrew, he he would take you to it. He is, um, yeah, what? poor guy. I mean, I, he, I know he's had some health issues, just, but just doesn't say much or oh, remarkably miserable. I kept throwing him bones, but it was nothing, absolutely nothing back. Anyway, <laughs> just thought I'd add that in. <laughs> Throwing him some bone broth. Fair enough. Um, well, I, I actually I think. This is a really big kind of couple of weeks for the for the women's game because the uh, U.S. Open goes to Pebble Beach as well in in a couple of weeks' time. I, I like I like the fact that you know these big um, courses that have have 
you know, attracted big reputations on the men's game are now, you know, much more frequently being used for majors in the women's game. And, um, you know, Leona Maguire, what a brilliant win, you know, um, uh, on Sunday, coming home in 30, final round 64 to get her second LPGA tour title so she's going to be in great form going in really interested to see Rose Zhang who's could be the next you know the next big thing in women's golf Nelly Corder's here um and and how the Brits go as well Georgia Hall Charlie Hull it's um you know there's a lot to look forward to this week I think uh, last week was the women's amateur princes. The German golfer, uh, Kira Horder, won it. She beat Annabelle Pancake in the final, my uh, favourite name in golf. Um, and this week is the amateur championship, which is at Hillside, Southport, Nainsdale and Hillside. Southport, Nainsdale and Hillside for the qualifying and then the match play were Hillside. Did you play the amateur championship, Eddie? Were you, were you, did you turn pro quite young? No, I played it a few times. Uh, never had any success, but um, I did play it. I what was the furthest you got? I can't remember. I'd come to think of it, I wouldn't have played that many times. I'm not even sure I ever made the match play. Um, I did play at Muirfield. See, one year. That, I find that interesting. I find that interesting because, you know, people, great amateurs don't often, don't always make great professionals. There are many different routes to it. There are indeed. Um, yeah. And I was, I always say I was a better junior golfer than I was an amateur golfer, possibly a professional golfer, but, um, <laughs> Hillside would be a great venue. When I played Hillside last year, we played it in the one of the kazoos. I think it was about seven of those. Um, it was fantastic. The redesign they've done on the front nine in particular to make it a lot more like the back nine. That is, um, if anybody has ever got the opportunity to go and play Hillside, you should take it with both hands. It's a great, great golf course. Who were the Who are the very top amateurs when you were um, when you were contesting in the amateur circuit? Well, Tommy was always very good. He he excelled as a kid and also as an amateur and then obviously as a pro too. Um, Tom Lewis was fantastic also. I'm thinking of some of the foreign players, Matteo Manassero. There was a great Norwegian. You do come across, in fact, I came across one in Sweden, uh, Jesper Kennegard, and he was big, strapping Swede, And uh, but you'd putt one-handed. But he was a great player. Anders Christiansen, Norwegian player. Unbelievable. You hit the ball country mile and then just fell off the face of the planet. It's it's um It's weird. Yeah, that's going to hurt. Um, so I was looking at the the scores actually from Southport and Ainsdale yesterday in Hillside and uh, all the countries. I mean, multi-multinational, but so many Scandinavian golfers in there. I mean, they were always good uh, boys golf and I was playing. They were always the the, Swede, the Swedes were at the best, but the Norwegians really seemed to be coming through. But also Finland, you know, when Mika Ilinen came through, he was kind of the first of that from that country. And then since then, there have been so many more. So it's uh, it's interesting how it's taking off in the, in Scandinavia. Actually, no, I'm not going to say Scandinavia because I got... Pulled up because Finland is not Scandinavia, technically. So um, from the north. It's uh, Nordic. Nordic. Um, right. Okay. We did have some uh, reaction to the start of the pod. I would say it was positive, largely positive reaction. Uh, lots of people reviewing it. Some very nice words. So thank you for that. Thank you also to the one guy who said, this was dreadful. Um, far too many person recollections. Flat tone oldage. Not enough spice. Eddie, of course, responded. Uh, on Twitter in a very nice way, um, which just seemed to make him angrier. But then he wanted to clarify that he was angry at me, that I was the problem. Um, he went on. The biggest issue was Cotter. Fine. His delivery is only appealing to the Blazer Brigade. So many topics which are juicy. Missed a chance. We'll listen again. <laughs> he goes on. We'll listen. <laughs> I guarantee they won't after this episode. Then he, he gives advice. See if faster delivery next time more detail on current live topics, confrontational debate. 
and it just ends. So we don't so, no, see if see if that leads to what's what. his name. This chap. I'm not. I'm. I, I don't know. Um, see if faster delivery next time. More detail on current live topics. Confrontational debate. Well, well, well. Listen, we are nothing if not responsive. We have listened and we promise to change. We uh, we we promise to do. The Blazer Brigade. Anyway, um, here's a taste of what's coming up on next week's pod. Opinion! But all I'm saying, all I'm saying, hey, all I'm saying is that Rory would have won 20 majors by now. Easy, easy, if he'd had a different caddy. Yeah? And he would have cured cancer, probably. Spice! There's a top player, top player, yeah? And I'm hearing that the reason his form has been so bad is that he's having it away with a caddy, yeah, eh? of another top player. And I heard that from a, a, a caddy. Well, a guy in a pub who knows a caddy, yeah? Gospel. Betting tips! Just get your money on them. I mean, it's it's printing money. I mean, 33 to 1. If you don't, you're a mug. I mean, they've won the mixed foursomes the last three years now. Hot takes! Well, shoot me down if you want, but I'm, I'm telling it like it is. I don't think the left-hander should be allowed to play golf. It's weird. Challenges! Right, so we wanted to know... Could a tour pro who's been given some horse tranquilizer beat a nun? Here's what happened. <laughs> so that's on the pod next week. Uh, Is that on the pod you, next week? I don't know. That's... Do, 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 do you ever feel like you've got a bit too much time on your hands? I haven't got time on my hands. That's the, that's the thing. I'm busy doing this trailer <laughs> for next week's podcast and I should be doing prep on Andy Murray against Alex de Menor. Um, instead, I'm just going to go out in the co- commentary on BBC One saying, here's Alex de Menor from Australia. Big country, Australia. Australia. Ooh. Oh, look, Andrew, we've had this conversation before. Tennis commentary on the television. I mean, come on. That is money for old rope. Oh, well played. I don't say well That's played. That's we have to do. I might, oh, I might occasionally just go, <laughs> lovely stuff. Um, but anyway, yes, yeah, there we are. Exactly. So, Ian, enjoy enjoy New York in the same way that you enjoyed Los Angeles by seeing none of it and being in a media center. No, I'm be, going in. I'm week. going into New York this afternoon. Right. If I'm if I'm still awake this afternoon, I'm going in. Yes. Are you stalking Bruce Springsteen? You love him beyond all compare. So, um, I, I think he might live there. Uh, yeah, but he's over in the UK touring at the moment. Right, so. enough, good point. A good point. Well made. Okay, enjoy enjoy Balta's role and the Women's PGA Championship. Eddie, good luck. You're off to Munich uh, shortly, I would imagine. So um, you must be flying today. Today is Tuesday, so... Yeah, no, I'm I'm flying at 4pm. That's my standard slot now, though there's some storms this morning, so hopefully uh, there's no delays, but otherwise I'll have to fly Wednesday. I'm actually first reserve on site for the Pro-Am tomorrow morning, 8am, so... I'm not really looking forward to that, but I need to be there. Oh, hang on. Just before we go then, just very quickly, um, or maybe we should save it for another pod, Pro-Am Chat, because do you enjoy playing in Pro-Ams? I've gotten a lot better. I've gotten a lot, lot better. Mm. I didn't enjoy them very much in the early days, but now I, I don't mind them. Okay, we'll maybe get into that um, on another pod because it's time to say farewell. So, Eddie, go Good well, luck, Eddie. Go well, Munich, and uh, Ian, go well. Uh, go well in New York. Go well with your reporting and your commentary. And um, and we will reconvene next week for spicy chat. Um, all right. Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. And that completes this edition of The Chipping Forecast. Wishing you a safe and pleasant night. Mm-hmm.